BULLETCAST F-F-F-F-FOR LIFE Ladies and gentlemen, you know the name, you know the voice, you know exactly why I'm here. Just in case if you don't, I am a 24-year-old piece of gold, the messiah of the microphone of the greatest sports recreational podcast from the world today, the pod father. And yes, a lot of championships weren't on the line, neither was the Bullet Cast title, but we do have a lot to talk about because we were 28 days away from the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. Elimination Chamber was the last stop on the road to WrestleMania. Now we're in full swing, full effect. But you know I never do these alone. He's my tag team partner, the Jimmy to my J, the Tully to my arm, the Stevie Ray to my Booker T. He's the host of the award-winning Under the Radar host and creator of Curveballs and Cheer Shots, first ever BC champ, the Canadian destroyer, BT, Brandon Tan Guma. BT, how you doing today on this fine Sunday night? You know, Philip, I'm doing just fine. I didn't have very high expectations for this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and by God, they didn't disappoint. It, it did not. I, I, I forgot it was this Sunday when we were recording on Thursday, but this this actually did deliver to an extent. And WWE pay-per-views, they usually do that. When you think it's going to be a C pay-per-view, it moves up to like a, a, a nice B or even a B plus. But what was the first match of the main card? Well, I guess the first match of the main card, which means I'm hosting today. So I don't know about so that. many pr- responsibilities on this show now. We'll see. I mean, you can host if you want. You can, you can do the matches and stuff. No, no, we're, we're, this is tag team work at its finest, man. Okay, if you insist, well, we're not going to talk about the pre-shows because we never talk about the pre-shows. But if you want, I think Angel Garza had a match, and then the Viking War Raider Experience beat up the poor former Raw Tag Team Champions, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Anyways, in the opening match, we have. Daniel Bryan taking on Drew Gulak, a match that was not announced until after SmackDown. So we didn't know that this was coming, but I was very excited. I went to go try to look on the internet to see if they've ever wrestled before. I couldn't find anything, but I did find stuff back in 2019 that said Daniel Bryan really wants to wrestle Drew Gulak. So he definitely got his was here, wish here. Daniel Bryan gets the win in 14 minutes. Very physical, mat-based wrestling match. I enjoyed it quite well. Philip, what did you think of this contest? Dude, I loved it. This was a uh, catch-as-catch-can style of wrestling, you know, the kind of stuff that Dean Malenko's famous for. And that German suplex to D-Bry that uh, Gulak gave him, that was absolutely beautiful. You know, anytime Brian takes a nice hard hit like that or a, a terrible bump like that, we, we obviously will worry about him a little bit extra because we know about his uh, concussions and his neck issues and all the stuff that led to his retirement in the first place. This was physical. It was hard-hitting. Debra with that amazing elbow to Gulak's face. It really crushed him in the face. And the way his arm bent back on the uh, on the yes lock, I was like, oh my god, this is great. It was it was nice to see a uh, a a a strong style Ring of Honor adjacent match in WWE for once. I really loved it. I I, yeah. I, I give it an A. It was good. This match was so different compared to a regular WWE-style match. You can tell that maybe Dana Bryan kind of had a lot of say in what this match was because it was so different. I loved it. This might have been my favorite match of the night. I'm not saying it was the best match because I can understand why some people would like some of the other matches on the show. But uh, as you said, I was a little scared with those bumps that Dana Bryan was taking. It's one thing to you know, take some, you know, sell an arm or whatever, but when you're clearly landing on your head and selling a neck injury, obviously I kind of hope that he's not really legitly having to get feeling back in his fingers and everything like that. But I, I'm, I was a little scared that Dan Brown would be doing this. He hasn't actually done it that much, which I'm happy to see, but 
now he's doing it in a pseudo throwaway match with Drew Gulak. But I would like to see this match, this feud continue. There's still rumors that maybe it's going to be Daniel Bryan and Sheamus. The entire SmackDown side of WrestleMania is getting shaken up. Maybe we still get Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan, but I don't think they're going to put that on a WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan and Sheamus, that'd be great. You know, Daniel Bryan could avenge the WrestleMania 28 loss when he lost in 18 seconds to Sheamus. Sheamus walked out with the World Heavyweight Championship. You know, I'm all for it. Well, if we're going to give grades, you know, I don't usually do grades when I do my post-show recaps. I usually do star ratings. I'm going to give this one like three and a half stars. I liked it quite a lot, and since that would be my favorite match and I only gave it three and a half stars, this kind of shows you where we're going after this. So in the second match, we have Andrade with Selena Vega taking on Humberto Carrillo for the United States title. And this match goes about 12 minutes, high-paced, what you would expect. We've seen them wrestle so many times on Raw before. I thought this was a really good match. The crowd was into it. I think the crowd was more into this match than the Daniel Bryan match was, just because it was a little more high, uh, high energy. But uh, really good stuff. Humberto, they do some roll-throughs. Andrade yanks the tights, and he gets the job done. But this obviously leaves an opening for Humberto to get his 7,000th rematch for the U.S. title. Yeah, um, this match kind of under it under it was underwhelming for me. I mean, it really did pick up in the last two to three minutes, obviously, with all the roll-ups and fast-paced action. But I'll I'll give it a I'll, I'll give it a B minus. It was good. It was solid. It was decent, but it didn't really hit that upper crescendo that uh, I would have really liked. I think I would give it three stars. I said on the bullet cast that we're going to get a four-way Mexican match for the United States Championship, and I'm still feeling that right now. I'm, I'm sorry. I was talking to somebody else. I apologize. Wow. I'm sorry. You know, I'm out here quarantined in my room all alone. It's only me and you, Philip. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I apologize. I really do. Anywho, we get Charlie Caruso interviewing AJ Styles backstage. And yeah, that did happen. And when we get our first Elimination Chamber match of the show, the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, The New Day, The Usos, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Miz and Morrison, Lucha House Party, Grand Match League, and Lindsay Dorado, Heavy Machinery, and in the end, the champs retain at about, how long did this go? 33 minutes. Obviously, with a tag team elimination chamber match, there's going to be 12 men in the ring. It was kind of a cluster. We get Otis running through glass. We get Lindsay Dorado climbing up and doing flippy-doos off the top of the uh, chamber. All bunch of carnage and stuff. I would have thought it was a little sloppy in the beginning. It picked up a little late. Uh, overall, the match was fine, but nothing really too outstanding for me. I did like the kind of Otis-Dolph Ziggler story they told. That was probably the highlight, just because that was only like the real story that was any interest throughout the entire match so overall was fine like three three stars three and a quarter stars uh this 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 was this was pretty good man i'll give this a b plus i mean the best tag team of the 21st century retained their titles as they should you know miz has really had a nice rejuvenation since john morrison has been back his 2019 did not look so good it started off nice he was tag champs with a uh, shane but then he lost to shane on multiple occasions and then he just 
got lost in the uh, lost in the abyss of not even really being on television, not even floating around in a mid-card or IC title scene, you know? So John Morrison coming back for The Miz has really elevated him. Uh, I enjoyed the gear that Kofi and uh, Big E wore, supporting their boy uh, Xavier Woods, their quote-unquote fallen comrade, as he recovers from injury. Uh, the Otis Dolph Ziggler storyline, I've really been intrigued by it, I do. You know, Dolph, uh, he swooped in, Mr. Steal Your Girl, you know? Mr. Steal the Show, Mr. Steal Your Girl. Otis going through the uh, chamber, that was pretty dope. Chamber pod, whatever, that was awesome. Uh, Tucky jumping off of the, one of the pods, I thought that was really very impressive. In the end, you know, Miz and Morrison got the job done. They uh, they beat the Usos in the final to really run the gauntlet. I was I was incredibly proud of them. And I like how on this gimmicked pay-per-view, we didn't start with the gimmick match. I thought that was very important. Usually, I mean, it's... No, usually on these shows, like, oh, we start off with an Elimination Chamber match, or we're starting off with a Hell in the Cell or a Money in the Bank. They didn't do that. They've been doing that for the past couple years. A nice little switch up by WWE. We did get two cage matches on NXT. They did one at the beginning, one at the end. And even at the Hell in a Cell match that I saw, they did start off with the Women's Hell in a Cell match. So it is something that they do. I'm not really one that really cares all too much, because I understand they're trying to space it out and... In times like these, maybe you don't want to have it too closely together, but with this show, once again, almost a four-hour-long show, which did not need to be four hours long, but uh, I thought it was a good match. I, I thought it was kind of sloppy at the beginning. I thought a lot of this, uh, a lot of stuff the Lucha House Party was doing at the beginning was a little sloppy. I don't know if it was them trying to do too much or just them being a little rusty. And then also there was a point in the match where Miz and Morrison both did like the springboard into the super kick. Miz, looking like Rey Mysterio, does it perfectly, and Morrison just completely slips and falls. And Miz, a much better high flyer than John Morrison. Hot take. Well, I mean, Miz is the Shawn Michaels out of the two. He went on to actually won a world title. So, yeah. So more sensitivity? Yeah, I mean, he was the quote-unquote more athletic of the two. Real, but, you know, realistically, Miz went on and became the bigger star. That's Those are facts. I don't know if they're facts, but... He won a world championship. John Morrison has never won a world title. In WWE. No, no, like, we're, we're going to stop all this, oh, but this is considered a... No, no, the title of record, the WWE Championship, is an actual world championship. That's that's it. Look, if I say the Bullet Cast title is a world title, does it actually mean it's a world championship? No. No, that's, that's asinine. It's the world internet title. No, that's what Levi Shapiro has for APW. Now, am I the champion of podcasting? Yes, I'm the best podcaster in the game, exactly. But the point being, the Impact World Championship is the heavyweight title for Impact. It is not an actual world championship. The 10 pounds of gold at one point in time was an actual world championship, but it lost value and prestige. Now, I see the NWA and Corgan are trying to build back up to it, but they're not going to reach that level of WWE. That's just the bottom line. The WWE title, what Brock Lesnar has, that is the title of record. That is the world championship. Buddy Rogers, Bruno Sammartino, Brett, Sean, Austin, Hulk. Rock, Hunter, all guys that have held actual world championships, the WWE title. You feel better now? Dude, look, I, I, I hate that I have to have this conversation, Brandon. I really didn't think I would have to have that with you. I didn't, you know. Well, now that you've had it with me, then you don't have to do it anymore. That's, that's very true. What, what else happened on this show? 
Well, what else happened on the show is Charlie Caruso interviewed Natalia, you know, fire promo, saying that she's going to do this for her best friend in the whole wide world, Beth Phoenix. But anyways, the next match was AJ Styles with the OC in his corner, taking on Aleister Black in a no-DQ match. And just what I thought, we were going to get the Undertaker's massive gong, and then he comes out, makes a save, beats up the OC, beats up AJ Styles after, I thought, a good, hard-hitting match, a little... I don't know if I say sloppy, but it was kind of slow at times. They go 23 minutes in total, a little ambitious for my liking. But Aleister Black does get his win back and pins AJ Styles. Now, is this one-on-one AJ versus Taker? Does Aleister Black get involved in maybe a two-on-three handicap tag match? Uh, here's my thing. First of all, Undertaker is probably the best gong in the business. Uh, yeah, he shows up. He has Car- Anderson and Gallows by their throats. He hits a better, would you say, a better-looking choke slam on AJ this time? Uh, they were both pretty uh, pretty bad. Which one was better, Blood Money or this one? I haven't seen like a replay of the one tonight because I only saw one. We'll, we'll say tonight was better. Yeah, Why not? Yeah, exactly. We'll say tonight's better. Uh, yeah, um, Alistair Black did a springboard moonsault, and AJ caught, and caught him in the uh, tombstone position, didn't actually hit the move. Uh, yeah, man, so this is really interesting. Alistair Black hitting that beautiful black mass. AJ sold the crap out of it. And, you know, they kind of um, they kind of talked on commentary how AJ hasn't really been phenomenal, phenomenal as of late because, you know, he's kind of settled in his ways from being on top for so many years. Uh, that's something you could say to why he's kind of slowed down, so to speak. So that I thought that was a nice little hint on commentary. But uh, yeah, man, I guess we are getting AJ Styles versus the Dead Man. But here's the thing. Is AJ going to beat the Phenomenal One? I mean, is eight, is the Phenomenal One going to beat the Phenom at WrestleMania? Taker will be like, what, 24 and 3 or something, if that actually does happen. Or does AJ just lose to the Dead Man on the biggest show of the year? And then if he does, what happens to AJ from there? It's a very good question. I don't haven't really thought of what the finish would be. I think you just put over Taker. What is AJ really going to lose at this point, losing to The Undertaker? AJ is kind of at that point of his career. I mean, maybe you want to build him up because he might be the first heel coming out of WrestleMania to take on Drew McIntyre if Drew is the champion. So I could see that being the reason, and I, maybe that's also a reason why they put Aleister Black in this situation, have a tag team match. Somebody else could eat the fall while AJ doesn't eat Loses, but he doesn't technically lose. I can see that happen as well. Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's all a very a very good possibility. I mean, uh, I'm I'm interested to see because you know I I'll, I've said it before. I think AJ Styles is honestly the closest to a second coming of uh, Shawn Michaels, and that's probably that's one of the reasons I hear why Taker wanted to actually work with AJ Styles, which I'm all I'm all for that. So it's gonna be. I, I think they can deliver something, you know, once it, this becomes officially announced for WrestleMania. All right, Brandon, what else happened after Taker uh, invaded and cost well, AJ? Philip, you didn't give us your grade. Oh, I, I'll give this a B. It was decent. Just a B. Just a B. Nice little B boys. I'll give it three stars. Definitely should not have gone 23 minutes. Way too, way too damn long. But anyways, we got the fifth match on the show. The Street Profits defend their Raw Tag Team Championships against Seth Rollins and his buddy, Murphy. And Seth and Murphy lose once again. In about 19 minutes, Street Profits retain. Uh, Kevin Owens comes down 
for some reason, he comes down shield style, jumps the barricade, and then he just sits there eating his mega-sized popcorn. Doesn't technically get involved, throws some popcorn in Seth's face. Angelo Dawkins runs over Seth like he was coming over the middle. And uh almost said buddy. He, he, he's Seth's buddy, but that's not his first name. His name is Murphy, the dis- disciple Murphy. Got to get these names right. Are you and, trying to are you trying to break my heart, man? Why do you keep, stop stop that? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be a good corporate stooge. <sighs> it hurts. It really does hurt. Uh, the street profits they bring the swag like nobody can. Red cups and all in the crowd. They are insanely over. Montez Ford, charismatic as all hell. Angelo Dawkins. That is a big boy. That is a big man, and he can move. This was very fun. I I, I really did like this. You know, the Viking War Raider experience came out and uh, got rid of the AOP, the Authors of Pain. Kevin Owens, popcorn in Rollins' face. Rollins gets blindsided. They throw Murphy into the barricade. They throw him in. Dawkins slams him down. That amazing frog splash by Montez Ford. One, two, three. The Street Profits aren't just a one and done. They aren't just a fluke tag title reign. They're keeping it going, and they're bringing the swag all throughout Monday night for the remainder of their run. So I thought that was was very, very good. I don't know if it was very, very good. I thought it was good. A lot of stuff on this this show was just fine which kind of was the reason why I was kind of down on this show because I wasn't very inspired with what they were putting out there to begin with and then coming out of it, it was pretty much what I expected. I would give it, once again, three stars. Philip, what are you doing? Hello? I was I was throwing to you sorry, what my, your grade my, was going to be. My, my landlord came and talked to me. I'm sorry. I know. I'll, I'll give this a B plus. I thought I thought this was good. You know, a nice showing by the Street Profits to really show that they they can go in a longer style with one of the company's top talents. Um, Seth Rollins came from the FCW product, by the way, that form of developmental in WWE, and the FCW documentaries on the WWE Network, ladies and gentlemen, for nine ninety nine a month. First month is free for new subscribers. I thought I was the corporate stooge. Hey, man. FCW Doc, we'll talk about it on the Bulletcast this Thursday. Philip, guess what? What? I actually watched it. Can't wait to talk about it on Thursday, then. This is going to be great. It's going to be phenomenal. That's assuming that I'm going to remember. Wow. On Thursday. I haven't finished watching it. Oh, that's why when you texted me saying, give me like 15 minutes, I thought you were watching it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm watching it too, so we'll be fine, but no. No, we were, I, I was having conversations with other people. Um, I'm sorry. You're being sociable. Yes, absolutely. So what else happened on this episode or episode of di- pay-per-view? I don't know what's happening. It's I had work early in the morning. It's late. The time changed. I'm all discombobulated. It's okay, Philip. Just hold my hand and I'll lead you through it. We got Braun Strowman trying to defend his IC title in a one-on-three handicap match for some godly reason, up against Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro. Sami cuts a promo before the match starts backstage about how he's going to face Braun like a man, and then, of course, he doesn't face Braun like a man because he's a heel. And the match only goes about nine minutes, but Sami Zayn is your new Intercontinental Champion, the first title Sami Zayn has ever won on the main roster, and it's him being a sniveling, crybaby, whatever manager heel in a three-on-one match. Well, congratulations to Sammy. He hasn't held a title since he lost the NXT title to Kevin Owens in about, like, I think it was, what, February of 2015? Yeah. So, you know, congratulations to him, man. It's about time he's uh, achieved this goal. Um, I didn't care about this, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, what? what's happened to Shinsuke, Cesaro, what, what happened to him? Uh, Sammy, it's, he, he's good at being a sniveling heel and... 
I hate that design of that Intercontinental Championship. I'm sorry. I just can't get behind it. I like the title design in a bubble. If it was like some other promotions title, if it was like an upstart company and that's their first title, fine. If that was an AEW's, if that was AEW's Intercontinental title, I'd be fine with it. I'd like it. But I think with WWE having the history that it has, I hate all the different title belt designs because they're just there to churn out uh, you know, toys and stuff. Just keep the title the way it is. It's so historic. You could even go back to what they were using back in the early 2000s with the, the oval globe or the flat globe, the you know, flat earth. You know, the, the oval intercranial title is my favorite. I grew up with that, you know. But the crisp ivory strap, I mean, it made people look prestigious like Miz, DZ, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, you know, Luke Harper. You know, it made, it made guys like that look very prestigious. I don't know why you would get rid of that. Because you got to sell those toys to the kids, Philip. Eh, to hell with those toys. To hell with those damn kids. F them kids. Man, yeah, F, man, fuck them kids. All right, MJF, calm down. I'm sorry. You know. Sorry. Overall, I mean, I think I'd give the match like two and a half stars. It gets a C minus from your boy. And that's being very generous. I just don't understand why you put the title on Braun Strowman and then he loses it like a month later if you. I. Yeah, what are they doing? Just have like a non-finish with Sami Zayn getting interfered with and have Braun keep the title. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Braun, see, Braun wasn't meant to be a champion anyway. This proves it. Just because he's big, he doesn't need a championship. Andre, you know, you know how long Andre the Giant held the WWE title? 45 seconds. Look at you, Philip, being such a historian. Dude, big guys aren't meant to be champion. Now, if you're like Big Show, when Big Show was champion, it did work. He didn't hold it for that long. He held it for like, what, two to three months at most. And he was athletic enough to where he could have decent matches with guys, smaller guys, or even a Mark Henry where they're just two uh, big burly men fighting it out. You know, it was okay then. You know, I'm sorry. Strowman, Strowman doesn't have it. I'll say it. Braun Strowman does not have it. He does not have what it takes to be the top guy. That's why he's never won a quote-unquote world championship, if you want to consider that universal title, even though we can't consider it because it's not a real world championship. That's why he's never won the, a main title. You know? He doesn't have it. Well, someone who does have it is Shayna Baszler because she won in the main event. It was the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Shout out to all the women out there. Happy International Women's Day. Sarah Logan, Asuka, Natalia, Shayna Baszler, Ruby Wright, and Liv Morgan all in this match. Ruby Riot and Natalia start the match off. They go, you know, the two minutes. They have a nice little back and forth. Surprised they didn't bring up the fact they had a, a feud like a year ago. But I also understand when they didn't bring that feud up because Ruby Riot talked about her dead dad and put a big old flat, fat head on, on a table. And well, we're just not going to talk about that. Wait, wait were we, weren't we there for that? We were there for that. Yeah, we were there for that. I remember that. Uh, look, underrated match. Underrated match, you're right. Look, the point is, uh, Shayna Baszler, we all knew she was going to win. We all knew she was going to challenge Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. She looked like an absolute star, choking out people, choking out two girls in the matter, in the matter of, like, what, 45 seconds, eliminating them both? She eliminated every single person in this chamber. That's why it was okay for these certain people to be in there. The Riot Squad, they're not going to lose anything from losing. Natalia, she's been in a lot of losses before. She's, uh, she's a legacy factor. Actor, she'll be fine. Asuka, we've seen her lose, but we've seen her come back. Plus, she's one half of the women's tag team champions. She will be okay. Baszler looked like a star, and 
I think she does choke the life out of Becky at WrestleMania, and we finally get a new Raw Women's Champion. Yet it took Shayna Baszler like 12 minutes to beat Kyrie Sane. Well, you know, you see, you see, here, here, here's the thing. Kyrie and, and Shayna have wrestled each other before, and we've, they've traded wins for the NXT Women's Championship. Kyrie kind of knows Shayna a little bit, even though they haven't wrestled in a while. You know, she knew how to evade her at certain spots to make the time elapse in the match. Oh, thanks for that insight, Philip. If only the commentators could have told me that. See, see, look, look, I've been in a ring, all right? I've taken bumps, I've ran ropes, had lacerations all up and down my sides. I get what what you have to do in there, ring awareness. I understand that. Plus, I was an amateur wrestler, you know? I understand mat awareness at all times, no matter what kind of mat it is. An amateur wrestling mat or a mat in a professional wrestling ring. I get it. So you're telling me you get wrestling more than Jerry the King Lawler. Well, you see, Lawler's days, you know, it's 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 a different time. My my mind has evolved with the business, you know. I think Lawler might still be stuck in the 70s wrestling Andy Kaufman, I'll be honest with you. Fair said, fair said. Uh, something that the commentators did point out, which was erroneous, is there was a time where Shayna Baszler choked out Natalia outside the ring, but then uh, someone, I think Asuka uh, put a, the Asuka lock on Shayna Baszler, and she ruled out the ring, and then the commentator said, oh, because she ruled out the ring, that breaks up the hold. Even though, like, five minutes earlier, Shayna did the exact same thing. It's it, it's whatever, but I'm just, I'm trying to point out flaws. If we're going to do it to Jim Ross, I'm going to do it to WWE. Got to call a spade a spade out here. Got to call all the spades a spades from the queen of spades. But overall, I mean, this match, uh, B+, plus, it was cool, it was fine. A B for Baszler, <laughs> but look, we we know where we're going in 28 days for WrestleMania. We got Baszler and Becky for the Raw Women's Title. We know what Drew and Brock are doing with the WWE Title. Roman and Goldberg for the Universal. The Fiend and John, that's happening. You know, potentially um, Taker and AJ, and then Edge returns tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. So we're, we're we know we're getting Orton and Edge. You know, this is shaping up to be a pretty decent WrestleMania. A pretty decent WrestleMania is not very high praise for a WrestleMania. Well, look, man, it's we, we look. We, Brock's gonna sell his ass off for Drew. We know that's gonna deliver. John and the Fiend—they're gonna tell some interesting story. We're gonna have a spear versus Jackhammer clash, which honestly, give me five hot minutes and get me the hell out of there with that. Uh, AJ and Taker—I think they can do some nice work. But the story that Edge and Randy Orton are telling is absolutely beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what has me really hooked for this year's WrestleMania. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I really am. All right, Brandon, overall grade for uh, Elimination Chamber 2020, our star rating. You know, Philip, I'll do a grade. I'll, I'll, I'll play your games. I'll give it a C because it was average. I pretty much thought exactly what it was going to be. I, th- I don't think I got all the predictions right, but... They all kind of fell in line, and it was nothing really surprising. It got off to a pretty good start with the two high-energy matches with Daniel Bryan and then the Andrade Humberto Cadillo match. I like those matches a lot. The Elimination Chamber match, the tag team one, I was definitely lower on it than you were. And then I thought after that, it kind of just all went downhill. I wasn't. I understand why they did that match. The, the way they did for the women's title for the women's whatever chamber match but i just felt like you could have structured it differently to where there wasn't so much dead air and just kind of boring i don't know if you want to put Shayna all the way at the end and then just run through everybody all at one time but i just the awkwardness of her just standing there for it felt like five minutes even though it might have been in reality like 45 seconds 
I didn't like that too much about the match. It puts over Shayna Strong. Absolutely, I understand that. But I kind of wish that they would have built it up better to begin with. As I said, why is she going 12 minutes with Kyrie Sane? Just have her squash like seven women at one time or whatever because she's Shayna Baszler. So overall, I mean, I didn't have very high expectations for this. It kind of met my expectations, unfortunately, which is not a good thing. Uh, so, Philip, what would you give Elimination Chamber? I'll give it a C plus. You know, there were some moments like the D. Bry Gulak match, and uh, the, uh, the the storytelling of Baszler being just an absolute dominating force. They do bump it up to a plus instead of a minus or a regular C for your boy. But uh, yeah, man, I think that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you on Thursday. Uh, Brandon has something for WrestleMania. Am I, am I correct? That would be correct. The return of March Mania Madness, or whatever the hell we call it. We've done it the last two years. It was the best WrestleMania of all time, the best WrestleMania match of all time. But this year, we're going to go a little bit differently, a little more subjective. We're going to go with the best WrestleMania entrance of all time. Triple H might be on here about 17 times, but let's see how many there actually are. I don't know. There's probably a lot. There are probably a lot. Uh, we'll probably upload the bracket to Twitter and Instagram sometime in the next couple of days before we actually record the show on Thursday. And uh, yeah, man, next weekend, APW Blueprint's first APW show of the year. We have some interviews that day, which I'm very, very excited about. And uh, yeah, man, follow us on Instagram at, Bullica- at the Bulletcast, YouTube channel, the Bulletcast, Facebook, Bulletcast, Twitter, Bulletcast, email us, Bulletcast, tunes in the number two suite, SWET at gmail.com iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Anchor, 99.9 FM, Kate, and Watsonville every Friday night from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Patreon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Elimination Chamber 2020 recap is in the books. For Brandon and myself, we will talk to you later. This has been the Bulletcast. Thank you for listening.